All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Thursday, January 12th edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We're streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, as well as, of course, dailyfaceoff.com. He's former NHL netminder, current Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. I'm Frank Saravalli. Mike, what's going on? Not a whole lot, man. Just getting excited to go up to the Wisconsin Dells this weekend for a youth hockey tournament and see the sights, man. Another part of the country I haven't been to. Looking forward to get, it. How about you? Get some get some curds while you're there. Some uh, oh, a lot famous of Wisconsin cheese curds. I'm all over that. Um, Mike, we made it. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the NHL hit the halfway point officially of the season with game number 657 being played last night. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's talk about our midseason award picks. It's always fun to work through this. I think Connor McDavid, we all agree, is the runaway Hart Trophy winner. The only interesting part was who finishes second. And you can see those results from our staff of voters on dailyfaceoff.com later this afternoon. But what was way more interesting to me is the Norris Trophy vote from our group and I find it really interesting, the fact that Kale McCarr was not part of our top three. And you look at this season and how it's unfolded to this point. Well, maybe not a surprise that the guy that they've been calling Josh Norrissey has taken first place on our ballots. He's had an unbelievable season for the Winnipeg Jets. And here's the voting results. Kale McCarr and Adam Fox did also receive uh, votes. Eric Carlson finishing third and Rasmus Dahlin second. I kind of feel like watching Kale McCarr in the last few days, maybe he's not getting enough love because 
earlier this week was the third consecutive game, Mike, that he's played north of 30 minutes. And we look at his point total, and I'm wondering, did we get this wrong? Uh, I, I'm not sure right now, because I still think that Morrissey's had such a season so far that you just can't deny it. Like, he was a half a point a game player, uh, and now he's turned into well over that under Rick Bonus. And, you know, it all stemmed back to a conversation in the summer where Bonus more or less gave him the confidence to take the puck and do what he wants with it, be more judicious in his shots. He's not just throwing pucks from the point, um, carrying the puck more. So I, I still think we've got Morrissey in the driver's seat, but McCarr with the number of minutes he's playing, I think his defensive game has been a little bit south of the border this year in terms of how I've seen him carry it before, but like who's he had to work with. So uh, I think McCarr probably belongs on our list. The only downfall I see to Morrissey is that he doesn't kill penalties. And that's the one thing that McCarr does do. Uh, he's on the ice for everything. So um, I, I had Morrissey at the top. I also think San, we're, we may be overlooking Darlene, man. Like he's been, he's played all situations, power play, five on five, everything. And Darlene's just, he's only 22 years old here. So um, I, I think it's a pretty tight race this year, Frank, and it's going to really take a while to play out. And I'm not sure if there even will be a favorite by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, as much as it seems like I would like to flog myself for voting Josh Morrissey number one, I mean, he's on pace for 92 points, which is where Yossi was last year. I think he finished at 96, and um, he, of course, finished second to Kale McCarr. But when you think back to, you know, not just the step forward that Morrissey's taken, but he's always been known as a shutdown guy, an elite defensive defenseman. Clearly, that part of his game isn't lacking, so... I don't know. He kind of seems like the ideal all-around candidate this year, but keep an eye on Makar. I just think it's the efficiency factor that he's had to play so much, has been asked to do so much this year with the injuries that they've had, that it's almost like he's had to tame down other parts of his game in order to just kind of get through the game from a pure efficiency standpoint. The other really interesting trophy race is the Calder Mike for Rookie of the Year. I'd be curious to see who you picked number one on your ballot for me. It was Logan Thompson of the Vegas Golden Knights. It's kind of hard to think of him as a rookie, even though he's eligible because he did play last season and make an impact for the Golden Knights. But I just think back to the storylines going back to September and October, we were saying, man, it seems like a tough, I was saying at least, I know you were confident in Thompson from the jump, but I was saying, man, it's a lot to hinge on a team that has significant Stanley Cup and playoff aspirations on a guy that just doesn't really have the track record. So for me, I went Thompson one, Matty Beneers two, and my third guy was actually Pyotr Kochetkov of the Carolina Hurricanes. All that guy has done is win since stepping in for their injured goalies. Where did you end up? Well, first off, you're going to get a gift basket from the goalie union uh, for having two of them on your list. And I was a little different. I had Matty Beneers first overall of mine, and I had Logan Thompson second. And, you know, Thompson's season kind of reminds me of Steve Mason when he was with the Columbus Blue Jackets under Ken Hitchcock when he took home the Calder Trophy. And he had 33 wins that year, a 916 save percentage. He started off the year on fire and then really cooled off as the year went. And, and I kind of feel that's a little similar with Thompson and just he hasn't been cold, but he hasn't been quite the same as he was at the start of the year. The advanced numbers uh, have definitely started to slide for him. But for me, Matty Beneers is a first-line center. And for him to be the, a rookie playing that role and to be succeeding in all areas and to be responsible, you know, if early in the season, I didn't think that Beniers was somebody that I really trusted defensively. I didn't think he'd learned the National Hockey League well enough to, to have that. And now you're looking at the guy and I mean, look at his plus minus plus 12. I still value that stat. Um, 
but I think he scored some really big goals and big moments. He doesn't look overwhelmed by anything. And even at the, at his young age, I think Beniers looks wise beyond what he's done. So I've got Beniers first. Uh, and then from there, I also wanted to give some love to some love to Kalen Addison of the Minnesota Wild. He's leading the Wild D in scoring. He's been pivotal on the power play, but the defensive side isn't there yet. So that's my list. Yeah, and I support you on Beniers, like in the sense that uh, he's such a smart player that whatever offense he's achieving and point total is not certainly at the sake of uh, what's going on in the defensive end. And some people, you know, really compare him to being one of those cerebral smart players that uh, could have quite a long run in the NHL. And you're starting to see that now, you know, on pace for approximately a 70 point season. Uh, certainly really interesting. In case you were curious, uh, the winner of our midseason Calder was Matty Beniers, Logan Thompson, two, and Kochetkov, number three. Uh, Mike, wanted to talk about the Western Conference standings because it seems like there's been a bit of a shift here in the last 10 days or so since the calendar flipped to 2023. And I'm wondering if we wrote off two teams in the St. Louis Blues and the Nashville Predators too soon. You look at their marks, both teams are 4-1 and one in January. Um, the Blues beat the Calgary Flames on Tuesday night, coming back from a multi-goal deficit. Uh, when you look at the Preds, they lost their first loss of the calendar year 2023 to the Toronto Maple Leafs on Wednesday, but it was a solid game. And so we kind of viewed both teams through the prism of the seller standpoint as it, when it comes to talking about the deadline, which is 51 days away. But if you had to pick one at this moment that's going to get themselves back in the race, which they're both squarely in on a points and points mm -hmm. percentage basis, which team would you give the edge? You know, it's slight, but I go to St. Louis between the two zombie teams, I like to call them. They've been <laughs> coming back from the dead here. Uh, and the reason being with Nashville, I think that UC Soros and Philip Forsberg really are the main reasons why that club survived basically the month of December to get to the point where now they're winning games. And like you said, they were good against the Leafs. They were good against the Caps a couple games ago. Uh, but against some of the better teams, they just aren't quite there. I think you're going to have to see more from Tanner Janot and Ryan Johansson from that lineup to really go. I'm not sure if there's as much room for growth with Nashville uh, as there is with St. Louis. And one of the big areas with St. Louis that's grown is a power play. It's been killer, dude. Like in the last uh, since the start of 2023, it's leading the NHL. That was a sore spot to start the year of missing David Perron, and it's being led by Thomas and Cairo and Buchnevich. And that top six has looked really good with St. Louis, and the depth pieces have too. So if those young players start to go, and then you filter back in O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Krug, I think St. Louis has that chance, but they have to be better defensively, Frank. Both of these teams. I think St. Louis has more peak to them but I think Nashville might be the more consistent of the two. Speaking of peak, it's like peak NHL that O'Reilly and Tarasenko both go out of the lineup, two major pieces, and the team plays probably their best hockey of the year and on their best run of the year. I don't know. I have to give the edge in this case to Nashville. Um, I just think with UC Soros in net, he just he's playing back at the level that he was last season, and when he's on – he can cover up so many of their mistakes. I don't have the same confidence when it comes to Jordan Binnington and their net. And that's kind of the perfect segue and transition to the New York Rangers because you look at their deadline countdown series and we posted the New York Rangers trade deadline playbook on dailyfaceoff.com this morning with 51 days to go. Well, 
Igor Shesterkin is still covering up so much of what is a mostly average Rangers team. I mean, look at a lot of these numbers. Goals for per game, 16th. Power play, 15th. Penalty kill, 12th. And their goals against is 8th because Shesterkin is back to doing Shesterkin-like things. And I think when you saw their swoon in the month of November, a lot of that was due to they weren't getting the saves. So now Shesterkin's back at the level that he was last year, I think. They're on a 12-2-2 run in New York. And when you look at their top deadline objectives, which I believe are a dynamic scoring winger to add to the mix, and potentially as a secondary objective would be something like trying to find a steady partner for Braden Schneider. Mike, they're in a really interesting spot because they're one of the few probably lock playoff teams when you look at where they've positioned themselves back in the race as having cap space projected $7 million. They've got an extra first round pick from the Nils Lundqvist trade from the Dallas Stars. And they've got a bevy of prospects from which to deal that don't include touching guys like Lafreniere and Kako and some of these other guys that have been slower to mature this season. What do you make of the New York Rangers as they get close to the deadline? I just look at that Lundqvist deal and think of how valuable it was to gain that extra first-round pick, Frank. That gives so much flexibility. The fact that Chris Drury, the GM of the Rangers, has some cap room to work with. I mean, you could, if you wanted to go out and pick up Patrick Kane, if that's the deal you want to make, you know, you wouldn't even need a third-party broker, as you have in the article. Like, you can probably, if you're the Rangers, eat that contract if the Blackhawks are willing to take some of that. The Rangers are in an envious position, but I don't think they're going to be able to add nearly as much as they did last season in terms of just the quantity. I would really target a defenseman, though, Frank. Like Gavrikov, yeah, Gavrikov, great. He's a good fit. Um, you know, Columbus is going to be looking probably for, I think, picks and maybe even a roster guy or somebody from down the road in the center. So they're not going to get a roster player from the Rangers. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to work, but I would really target defense. Um, and I think that really – some of the people you've got on your list would make a lot of sense. I really like James Van Riebsdyk there. You know, I think he'd be a great fit for that club, especially at the net front. Well, you'd have two weapons there. You'd have Kreider on your first unit, JVR on your second. So if there's any team out there that's positioned, man, give me the Rangers. I think they're pretty pretty good sp uh, spot right now to spend. Yeah, they're really in an enviable spot, uh, certainly as it relates to a lot of other teams. I just wonder, to play devil's advocate with you, does Chris Drury play this deadline a little bit more conservatively? You think back to last year, a first, a second, a third, and two-fourths, along with Morgan Barron, who's been a pretty decent contributor to the Winnipeg Jets this year, in exchange for Cop, Tyler Mott, as well as Justin Braun on the back end, and one player whose name is escaping me that it was like, wow, all four of those Frank guys Vitrano ended up. Florida yeah, Vetrano, that's it. They got him in a salary dump from Florida. That all four of those guys ended up walking at the end of the year. That was a ton of capital to give up for four rentals, a 10-week run of those guys. Maybe it paid off because they won a couple rounds, but still fell short of the ultimate prize. And I wonder if that maybe changes their thinking if he thinks maybe the Rangers aren't ready to be in that conversation with the Hurricanes, even though they beat them last year, and maybe you know some of the other teams in the East, like Toronto and Boston and potentially the Tampa Bay Lightning. So going to be a fascinating deadline from a New York Rangers perspective. As mentioned, check out their deadline playbook on dailyfaceoff.com. Uh, let's get to the number crunch with our guy Cam Sharon.
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. That's right. It's time for our weekly visit with our guy Cam Sharon for the Number Crunch, which is presented by Montana's. Cam, we hit the official midseason mark of the NHL schedule on Wednesday evening, which means it's time to admit that we were wrong about some things. It's always fun. I think the NHL is the craziest sport on the planet to predict. Um, but when you look at some of the teams that were the biggest misses for you in terms of preseason predictions, which ones are playing so far below your expectations? Uh, well, there's five that immediately come to mind. And I think a big thing for it is that uh, the, just the teams in the Western Conference haven't been very good. So that's Calgary, Edmonton, Minnesota, St. Louis. You guys were talking a little bit about the Blues and how they've been a good team uh, in the early part of 2023. I'm following that very closely because I, I, you know, I'm a unofficial Blues fan here and I want to see them do well. I find them very fun to watch. But the team in the East that, of course, I think everyone got wrong is the Florida Panthers. And this is a, I just want to point out how their depth has just been eroded over the past, uh, over the past year. So last season, this chart is uh, the number of players that they have at the top 144 and five on five points rate. I used uh, 144 because that's 96 first liners, uh, 32 uh, teams, three per team. And then the, the top uh, level of the second liners. So 32, or uh, sorry, 32 plus 16 second liners. Um, so the Panthers had nine of those 144. That's uh, among the that's in the league, along with Colorado and Carolina. And so it wasn't just uh, the you know the strength of that top line. It was a very good top line last year, obviously with John the and Sasha Barkov. Those guys are still playing great uh, this year. And I don't want to relitigate the Kachuk Huberto trade because Kachuk's been playing great for Florida. He's really given given them an element to the offense that they didn't have last year. Last year was a lot of stuff off the rush. It's the problem this year for them has been their depth. I was a big fan. I was a big fan of um, that third line that they had of Anton Lundell and Sam Reinhardt and uh, Mason Marchment. They were able to impact the game in so in so many different ways, particularly off the rush. Um, and you know, losing Marchment to Dallas has really just destroyed the the chemistry of that of that line. They haven't really found a combination that works for them on the. On the third line, Lundell uh, isn't having as good of an offensive year as he was last year. His points rate has fallen from among the best in the league to league average. And, you know, Mason Marchman isn't having that great of a year in Dallas either if you look at his five-on-five points rate. Uh, so that was just kind of they caught lightning in a bottle. And the problem with the Panthers is, uh, you know, 
when they follow the behind, as they often do, as they often did last year, they haven't been able to outscore their problems. That was a big thing for them. When they were, when they lost, uh, or when they gave up the first goal, they still won. They still went 24, 10, and four. This year, when they've given up the first goal, they're only four, 10, and one. So they won, uh, you know, they won over half their games, over 66% of their games when they gave up the first goal last year, and they've lost more than uh, 66% of the games when they've given up the first goal this year. So that's a big difference. Not as dangerous as a team. I don't know if they can turn it around because I just don't see the horses like last year. They don't have all those elements clicking for them. Uh, we'll see what happens in the second half. I don't like their chances uh, for the previous President's Trophy winners making the playoffs. You can see this year, they only have five players among the top 144. The other team I wanted to highlight too was Colorado. Uh, you know, everyone knows their injuries. Uh, and they went from having nine players in the top 144 in points rate to just two so far this year. Uh, among the regular forwards. They lost a lot of guys to both injury and free agency. Uh, so that's kind of funny to see. And it's amazing that the Avs have managed to hang around. They're lucky that they get to play in the West, to be honest. Cam, I've had my eye on this uh, really for the last week coming up because the Flames are in St. Louis against the Blues for two back-to-back. -back. They played on Tuesday. They're playing again tonight. I'll be at the game. So uh, you've, got, you've noted here that the Flames have gone from 14th in five-on-five -five shooting percentage last season so now this year they've regressed. They're 24th in the league, and they're amongst the lowest teams in the NHL at five on five. What have you noticed about the Flames? So this is uh, the benefit of of watching the games, of watching uh, Leafs and Canucks games as closely as I do. Is I get some perspective on uh, on teams when they play the the Leafs and Canucks. And uh, Calgary had I got to watch Calgary a little bit over the over uh, December. Got to see three games of them. And the the thing that I noticed about them is that. They're pretty good off the rush and entering the zone and uh, and doing all those things. They have some decent team speed. The problem is that when the play kind of breaks down and they start to work off the cycle, then they really settle for a lot of low-quality perimeter shots. I think that this has been a big problem for them. Uh, so I've broken down all of uh, the scoring chances and shots that uh, that teams and the Flames have had in, in the games I've tracked this year. So the cycle is um, it's within six seconds of of a controlled zone entry, or uh, sorry, after six seconds of a zone entry, after four seconds following a turnover, or after 10 seconds following a face-off. So they, that actually makes up for um, about half of the shots that you'll see in an NHL game. And the Flames just haven't turned enough of those shots into scoring chances. You can see they're about half the league uh, average there. About 15% of their cycle shots turn into scoring chances, where it's 30% for the rest of the league. And a lot of those are outside efforts. It's a lot of Nikita Zadora from the point. Mark uh, Michael Stone is the one. He has a big shot. It's not a you know it's not a very effective shot. Uh, it finds it finds shin pads in front or finds the goalie's glove a lot of the time. It's um, not doing a lot to create a, to create enough space within the zone. And it's interesting for me that uh, you know th this is a team that has some pretty good prospects uh, in the AHL with the Calgary Wranglers. You know, they've called up Jacob Pelletier. They have Matthew Phillips, who's among the AHL league leaders. They haven't really given these guys a chance uh, in the top six to create, to try and create a little extra element, a little bit more speed, a little bit more space and deceptiveness within the offensive zone, something to kind of break down the play and create chaos. And, you know, I, you know, I watch Toronto a lot, and that's, that's an area where Toronto's really good, where they're able to just turn those long, long those long sequences into good scoring chances just by creating uh you know running little uh pick plays you know uh they they got the call on game seven uh because of it uh, i'm sulky about 
but they're able to find ways to create space in the offensive zone. That's just something that the Flames haven't been able to do. Uh, it's and you know, in other situations, they've been fine. They've been fine off the rush. They've been fine for checking. Uh, their transition game's a little uh, a little off. That's uh, they're not really forcing turnovers in the neutral zone as much as they were last year, probably. You know, I think the flame like the Flames are still hanging around. They still have these correctable problems. They're probably a team that should be in the playoff race. And yeah, I'll be watching that game uh, against the Blues tonight. That's uh, that's gonna be a good watch. Yeah, Cam. You know, it's interesting to peel back a layer on the onion with the Flames because while a lot of their game has been pretty good, as you mentioned, off the rush and on the forecheck, that's what I've seen with the eye test. I feel like the Flames season can kind of largely be explained by the goaltending. Jacob Markstrom going from 922 last year to 893 this year, that's going to have a significant impact. And so to, to mention the cycle as one area that they could really improve their game, not to mention the transition game, has really been helpful. So thank you for this week's edition of the Number Crunch, which is brought to you by our friends at Montana's. This season, Montana's is bringing back the viewing party with their new daily deals. Every night, you can take advantage of their daily do deals on both food and drink. Head on over to find out more details at montanas.ca. Thanks, Cam. All right, talk to you guys next week. All right, Mike, time for our Daily Faceoff inbox question of the day. Hashtag AskDFO. We'd be happy to take your questions on Twitter. And this one comes from our guy, TB, TBrown3434. He says, I love this question. It's so interesting, and it's made me think all morning. Who would you rather start your franchise with, Jason Robertson and Miro Haskinen or Tage Thompson and Rasmus Dahlin? It feels like we got a little bit of uh, Brady or Rogers here, but let's bring it on over to the hockey role. What do you got? This is a wicked question, man. Like, honestly, picking between the two would be really, really difficult. Uh, I think if you're just looking at, like, game-changing ability, I think Thompson gets the edge in that category, and I believe that Darlene is going to be a little bit better defender than Heisken and probably top out higher on points uh, throughout his career. So I'm going to go with the Buffalo duo, but you're right. Brady versus Rodgers, this is, this is a near-impossible question. Any team would love to have both of them. What about you, Frank? I'm going to go with the Sabres duo as well, but for different reasons. One, Tage Thompson is a center, and not to knock Jason Robertson, who's been a prolific scorer in his own right. I feel like it's a lot easier to find scoring wingers than it is to find centers that can do what Tage Thompson does. And oh, by the way, he's six foot six. And I agree. I think Haskinen is actually the better defender, but I think Darlene has the higher offensive upside, which you're already seeing already. Like the the stat the where Darlene is getting to on the point production level at the halfway mark of this season is kind of already at Haskinen's basically his career high. I mean you look at it where he's trending toward, it's gonna be at a level way way higher than Haskinen has been in his career. So uh I'm gonna go with the Sabres guys. Tage Thompson, the classic sort of late bloomer that's been you can't take your eyes off of him in the NHL this season. So, Mike, uh, fantastic yeah. question, and thanks to TB for that and for everyone that follows along wherever you watch the show. Uh, Tyler Remchuk, that brings us to our Daily Faceoff Points Bet Daily Bet segment. And, Tyler, oh, my God, don't look now. You actually want to bet. 
We want to bet, and we want to bet that was plus 140 with a shot prop parlay. So you know what? We're going to let that ride. So I'll have more on that pick in just a second. But first, there are a couple of straight bets I do like on tonight's slate, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. I bet on Connor Hellebuck Tuesday night and the Winnipeg Jets against Detroit, and they lost in a high-scoring affair. Connor Hellebuck's save percentage was under 800. That was the first time this season that's happened. It's only happened three total times now in the last two seasons. So, of course, the one time I back Connor Hellebuck, he has a stinker. Well, you know what? I'm going to give him a chance to rebound tonight. I'm taking the Jets at minus 130 on the road against the Buffalo Sabres. I, I like the chances of them simply not losing back-to-back -back games and Connor Hellebuck not having back-to-back -back poor starts and getting lit up again. Minus 130 is a good price for one of the best teams in the Central Division. So I'm taking the Jets on the money line and also Colorado on the puck line. This one is moving towards Colorado. Earlier today, though, it was close to even money. Right now, you're still getting them on the puck line at minus 125. I don't think this is priced right. I think this should be one of those games where Colorado's like minus 180, minus 190 on the puck line. Chicago, yep, they've won two in a row. And I have a feeling that's why this line is set at where it is. But before that, they had lost five straight games by two plus goals. I like Colorado to bounce back from their tough loss on Tuesday as well and win by two or more against the Hawks. And for my shot prop parlay tonight, we got one that's juiced up all the way to plus 167. And it's taking Quinn Hughes in Vancouver to go over one and a half and Maddie Beneers in Seattle to go over one and a half. Quinn Hughes has crushed this in five straight games, quite often throwing on three or four shots on goal. Maddie Beneers, this dude has 11 shots in his last three games. He's scored a goal in five straight games. These lines being set at one and a half is juicy for me. The payouts individually aren't great, but playing them together at plus 167, I like that spot a lot, Frank. Love to hear it, and uh, let's hope you get on a roll now. This is the step you needed to go on an absolute heater. Thanks to Tyler for our Points Bet Daily Bet segment. That brings us to Garbage Time with Mike McKenna, and you're watching the late game last night, and you're loving what you're seeing from an off-ice perspective between the native of North Pole, Alaska, and Buddy the Elf. Yeah, I don't know who's higher up on the uh, longitudinal lines. That's the ones that go sideways, right? I can't even remember. Anyway, there's a budding bromance out there between Phoenix Copley and Will Ferrell, and I'm absolutely here for it. I mean, imagine being a goaltender in the American League to start the year. You know, you you're ride the buses around. Now, after every win, you're slapping fives with Ron Burgundy on, at the edge of the glass. Like, are you serious, man? And before the game, the, the Kings even had... Uh, Will Farrell up on the big screen, amping up the entire crowd. Uh, as you can see here, look at him go. Just chanting, go Kings, go. Well, turns out he's in the building. They flash it over to him and he carries him to a 4-3 victory over the Sharks. And I'm kind of, I got to admit, I'm kind of jealous of Copley because this is the, this is what can happen in LA, man. You never know who you're going to be able to meet and end up being friends with and slapping fives with after a game. Yeah, this is what uh, dreams are made of for Phoenix Copley, who you mentioned the victory. All he does is win 12 and 2 on the season yeah. with a 904 save percentage for the LA Kings, has bailed them out in a season of brutal goaltending with both Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson struggling big time. Thanks to Mike for garbage time in today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. That's all we have for you. Thanks to Tyler Remchuk as well as Cam Sharon and our head of production, Alex Lard. We'll be back with you on Friday, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Matt Larkin will be joining me for our last show of the week. So thanks to everyone and enjoy the games tonight. We'll catch you on Friday. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.